Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Nothing Impossible on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan with you on our show where we talk about local innovation, new ways of uh, approaching things. I think a lot of people look at this as a startup and tech exclusive show. No, but and we'll think so center around more. that. Yeah, we we just look at uh, new ways of approaching things in the St. Louis area. Yeah, and sometimes it does involve technology. Sometimes we do focus on startups for certain episodes of the show. But other times we look at some of the regional things that are going on, right? What's a new way of approaching some of our regional challenges? And today's show is specifically about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the name of the show, Nothing Impossible, is the city's slogan from around circa, I guess, 1905, 1906, the aftermath of the World's Fair. So when we look at these civic issues, we're going to take a look first off at the big one, I think, for 2019 that everybody's going to be focused on, city and county. Will there be a mega merger? There can only be one. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk with Scott Ogilvie. He's the dog, uh, Dogtown alderman who said he's not going to run for re-election because it's just too frustrating to try to get things done in this fragmented political environment that we have in the in the region. Yeah, and then we're also going to talk about uh, Bi-State, uh, our major transit organization uh, that oversees, uh, you know, Metro Bus and Metro Transit. Uh, new president and CEO, Talby Roach, is going to uh, come in studio, and we're going to chat with him about uh, his vision and uh, what he really sees as the, the future for uh, Bi-State and for the transit system in St. Louis and the region. Yeah, we'll get some answers on what people have been buzzing about when it comes to Metro, whether it's Obviously, safety, I think, has been the most talked about thing, but uh, whether it's uh, bus buses and the frequencies and which routes and recalibrating to meet customer demand or whether it's looking at the uh, the amount of data that Metro pulls in and how do they calibrate things based on that uh, or best practices in other cities. What is Minneapolis and Portland and Seattle doing that St. Louis is not doing to have a robust transit system that that people actually want to ride and make a part of their daily commute. And what can you do in Tokyo with your Metro card that you can't do in St. <laughs> Louis? We'll talk about that too. That we should that'll be a fun thing to talk about. Yeah, so we've got a whole bunch of civic conversation coming up the future of St. Louis as we continue on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on Kangam OX. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible, Travis Sheridan, Michael Calhoun, and we are joined on the phone by Scott Ogilvie, uh, alderman of the city of St. Louis, for a while now until uh, you're officially out, right? When is uh, when does your term expire? Term uh, runs out in April. In and, uh, April. I we'll, yes, I guess we'll remind people that I, I chose not to run for a third term. But, yes, uh, yes. Good to talk to you guys. And we're uh, we're talking about the uh, the Better Together report that came out recently about. Uh, well, we're waiting for it. Well, yeah, we're waiting. There's been some leaks and some early uh, chatter, both in the media and on social media. Uh, pretty radical idea about dissolving both the city and the county government and creating a new government from scratch. And Scott, you have opinions. Sure. Um, and I, I think you, well, I'll, I'll disclaim that I haven't seen the, their official recommendation. 
Um, but I gather that your description is, is correct, um, that it's not so much a merger of two existing governments or, you know, one government being folded into the other. It's really a brand new government that encompasses, you know, what is currently the, the geographic area of St. Louis City and St. Louis County. Um, but uh, that is a little bit unlike either one of them is today. And Scott, remind people of the um, the blog post that you wrote uh, outlining why you had so many frustrations as a St. Louis City alderman trying to improve the region and uh, why you decided not to run for re-election and how that plays into any kind of change that we might see in regional government or what, what from your experience, you'd like to see out of those changes. Sure. I, I think what a lot of that frustration boils down to that I felt and that I think a lot of people feel is that uh, we have we have a big challenge with uh, allocating the resources where they need to go. And that's because the, the region is so uh, cut up into so many different political jurisdictions and you can't really work across boundaries and you can't um, transfer revenue across boundaries. And that means that the areas with the, the most need um, often do not have access to the level of resources that they should have. And it also means that... Um, many areas of the region have an incentive to do things um, and to incentivize things that may be uh, marginally good for them, but actually uh, hurt other parts of the region. And I think we will be in a much better situation in the long run when growth anywhere into the region means you're, you're paying into the same pool of tax revenue and we can distribute those resources equitably and we can we can pinpoint areas that have um, the most acute issues or the issues that have been going on the longest, and we can really focus the resources of the region, not just the resources of the city today or not just the resources of you know, one municipality, but the whole combined wealth of the whole region to focus on uh, our, our most dire issues. And I think if we do that, not overnight, but I think over time, you can expect to see some better results than we've had in the last couple of decades. Well, the, the idea of uh, and again, this this plan has not been made public, but what it's what we're thinking it might it consist of the idea of dissolving both governments and creating new. That's pretty damn radical, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a big idea and it, it's a big plan and it, it goes pretty far. Um, but I think if you if you think about what are the things you really want to fix, you know, do you want us all do you want us all to have one? police department that has the same set of standards um, that, you know, eliminates, you know, we don't have time to go into all the issues you have when you've got the 52 police departments the region right, has. Right. Do you want to have, you know, one economic development team, one set of standards for how you do, um, you know, economic incentives, one set of standards for how you do uh, development, um, one set of, you know, one transportation, public transportation plan where the two entities are not always competing against each other uh you know do you want to have a robust city council uh maybe call it the regional council but i think they call it the city council that the whole region has a chance to participate in um i think that they're saying if you're going to go to all the trouble to to reorganize the government then you ought to you know you ought to have a, a big plan that really has the power or creates a structure that allows you to get at the changes you really want to get at. Yeah, I think, Travis, you've made the point that, um, well, first off, we may need a change in government to, as Scott just said, have the ability to enact some changes. But if you blow up the whole government, create something new, but then 
don't make any changes, what was the point? Right. And I, I think that this is, I mean, this is starting from scratch. This is being able to look at things. Uh, you know, I, I like to think of the, uh, you know, the, the Ferguson report, the Ferguson Commission report of, you know, identifying some of our, our biggest issues in the region. If we were able to create a government again from scratch, can we build it around some of the recommendations in the Ferguson report? Uh, Scott, just as we're, as we're wrapping up here, what are, what are the arguments against this? What are the naysayers uh, saying? Other than Rex Singfield being associated with it, what are some of the other issues that people have? Well, I, I mean, I think the biggest issue is a psychological issue. I think, I think one part of it is complacency and that we, when you live in a system for a long time, you can forget you lose perspective on it and you can forget how abnormal it is compared to most governments in most cities. Uh, so I, I think people forget how far outside the norm we are. And I think another argument against it is, is that it's not going to be perfect. Right. And so I think people will find some component of it. They, they may like 60, 70, 80% of it, but they may focus on those areas where it's not, you know, it's not their idea. It's not what they would do or they think it's not going to deliver the best outcome. And then you pick it apart based on the things you don't like about it. And, you know, that gives a lot of people a lot of opportunities to, to, you know, shoot it down. Um, I hope we, we view this not as, uh, I hope we keep the, the long game in mind, right? We're trying to, we've had essentially a fixed system of, of government in this region for a hundred years. I think many, many people would come to the conclusion that it has not served the region well and has, in fact, done a lot of negative things for the region. Uh, why do we want to maintain that system any longer? So I, I hope we keep the long view in mind of building a region that we're more proud of um, and have more affection for you know, 50 years down the road. Scott Ogilvie, alderman from the 24th Ward, which includes Dogtown. Thank you so much for calling in. Great. Good to talk to you guys. Take care. And we'll be right back with a conversation with the new president and CEO of Bi-State Development, which oversees Metro Transit. That's coming up next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Welcome back. Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan with you. And let's hop on the train and talk with the new CEO of Bi-State Development. Going from point A to point B and many places in between. Uh, congratulations on the new gig, sir. Are you excited? Thank you. I'm very excited. Even here just in my second day, it was a nice long day and it started with a great train ride. Talby Roach, you were on that train yesterday for the uh, the first day that you had on the job, but that wasn't your first time taking the train. In fact, it's part of your routine, isn't it? Right. I'm a regular transit rider um, and a good part of my career is invested in in this system and the development of this system. So not only do I feel privileged to be the CEO, I believe in the mission and I believe in what we do and in the service that we provide. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your new role and uh, what you're most excited about. You, know, you can cast a, a broad vision, a narrow vision. What are you looking forward to? Sure. You, you know, I come to Metro at a really exciting time and I come to Metro because um I see that there's a need for a pivot and a little bit of a kind of a a, uh, more of a focus on the transit division, right? Obviously, Bi-State Development has five different business Mm -hmm. divisions, but right now our dominant division is the transit division, and it's in need really of a little bit of regeneration. 
any CEO that would come in and look at a business would look at, hey, what's our primary piece of business and how is it doing? And as the years have gone on and how the system has been developed, it always needs to be evolving and changing. Indeed, evolving and changing to the riders that we're trying to attract in order that we attract them, right? So mm-hmm. we should be looking at new aspects of safety, security, customer amenity. And so I'm really excited about trying to tackle those very difficult tasks. Talby, what's your background been, especially when it comes to transportation in the St. Louis region? And then as you've watched what's happened at Metro over the last several years, uh, what made you want to go for this role and get involved at this time? Sure. So I've been working in and around the system for the past two decades. Most recently, I was the chief financial officer of St. Clair County for the transit district there. And of course, I represent St. Clair County in that capacity, working with our partner, Metro. So that meant that I was indeed in the building every day, in the very building that I'm now employed, (laughs) but on the other side of the negotiating table. But we still had the same goal, and that was moving people indeed from point A to point B, and trying to understand who are those customers, how are we serving them to the absolute highest capacity that we can. So, uh, you know, we are living in a a changing environment as it relates to transportation. Uh, I can't walk outside my front door without seeing, uh, you know, scooters or bikes everywhere. Uh, And those are starting to find ways to get connected to the rest of our transit system, you know, getting connected, taking a scooter to a bus or taking a scooter to uh, a light rail. How do you see some of the new innovations, you know, aligning with the efforts of transportation in our region? I see them as complementary to the transit system. Actually, transit is only just one part of what is kind of an integrated and growing and involving transportation system that includes roads, it includes transit, it includes scooters, it includes mobility, just with walking. Mm-hmm. You know, indeed, figuring out how walking communities integrate into our system is part of how we become a good partner with how we build our communities. I don't like to think of those different modes as competing modes, sure. more as complementary modes. The challenge to us is how do we become a good partner? How do we become a partner to even some of the on-call services? How do we become a partner to even the scooters mm-hmm. that are parked at you know a Metrolink station? Those should all be options to our citizens, and those are our customers. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the the difference between or the role for buses versus light rail, bus rapid transit versus light rail expansion, um, and uh, a reevaluation maybe of the bus routes and uh, recalibration. And what, what are you hearing from folks about the, the balance of bus versus rail? So part of our tasking is and yes. So <laughs> every, we should be looking at all of those modes and how they fit or do not fit into the evolving communities. Indeed, even the neighborhood that we're in right now, the downtown neighborhood, has changed significantly Mm -hmm. over the past five years and even greater over 10 and 20. So why shouldn't the transportation system that's integrated into those neighborhoods be changing? Changing in mode, changing in vehicle, changing in how these pieces are integrated together. 
So I uh, I have the benefit of traveling a lot for my job, and anywhere I go, I get a new RFID card of mm-hmm. the local transit system. So I have one from Sydney, Australia, and one from Melbourne, and I have the transit card from Tokyo, and it's always my thing to do as I collect transit cards. I feel like I'm a spy sometimes. I get ready to go out of town. I look for my foreign currency, my transit card, and my passport, and I hop on the road. Are you tossing them aside? You know, this is Boston. No, this one's from Seattle. No, this one's from I Tokyo. I do get confused Jeez, sometimes. where's the London yeah. one? <laughs> I need to know which, which currency I need to load it also because you have to, you know, Use money to transit. Uh, what are some things that St. Louis can learn? And throughout your career, what have you learned from other transit systems as you've explored them? So, for instance, that ease of modality that you're talking about in some of these larger modern systems mm-hmm. is one of the key components to getting our riders friendly with really the comfort aspect of our ride, right? So that in, indeed, accessing the system and making it easy so that they don't have to worry about anything. They just simply get on what our conveyance is mm-hmm. and they ride to where they need to go. A, a big tasking for us is is figuring out how do we modernize ourselves and in indeed in our ticketing and in our integration with all, all types of mobile environments. And we can do a better job at that. Mm-hmm. I'll be very honest with you. Um, I do the same thing. My 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 kids have been raised on going to public transit. My poor mm-hmm. wife has been through <laughs> the London tube. I made yeah. a mistake of going there from Heathrow one time and had to mm. drag her up 50 <laughs> stairs with with luggage. That was a mistake, right? But um but even all of those systems including ours should always be looking at what is what are the highest degree of customer service. That's what we're about. We're not selling widgets. Mm-hmm. We're selling service. And the public, indeed, every piece of the public, including someone who, like the plumber who drives uh, on 64, we're not going to necessarily serve him from a transit perspective, but he needs to understand that our service is still valuable Mm -hmm. because we have our service. That road is that much less uh, congested. Travis mentioned the RFID cards. It seems like... uh Gateway card has been a long time in the making. What's the latest as as you try to implement technology like that and and maybe some changes to to quicken the pace of implementation of those kinds of things? Sure. So you'll have to forgive me because it is only day two. Sure. <laughs> I, I haven't figured everything out, but um, and I, I never will, even when I'm on maybe day two hundred, right? But um, however, uh, the the system is the Gateway Go card is mm-hmm. in in testing right now. Um, and I know our IT team is looking at all that data and looking at, at what is the ramp up, how are things working, how are the counts going. Uh, it's a very important component, both with ease of use, but also one of, the, one of the pieces of our system is it is transfer dependent. So not only do we have the spine of Metrolink that goes through our region, but that's served by our bus service. Mm-hmm. Our bus service is actually the dominant piece of our service by hours traveled. So we always have to look at how do, does that those pieces get in into the different pieces of our community, mm-hmm. right? In order to do that effectively, you know, a, a system where there's an easy transfer, right, now mm-hmm. from bus to rail is is a as a component about our fare system. You know, the interesting thing about the uh, the cards in Tokyo, what I love, I love this. You could use it in the taxi on the public transit. And at vending machines. 
Really? It is amazing. Talk about integration. Is that a partnership with like MasterCard or some No, it's just they're, they have actually two competing uh, RFID companies, and they both continue to outdo themselves in order to make it uh, seamless. And maybe some integration with like Apple Pay or something, yeah, so you could use your phone to I mean, I need, a, I need a cold style. drink, and of course in Tokyo, you, don't, you can get like clean underwear out of a vending machine too, so it's all full <laughs> service. Uh, one of the things that I heard... Uh, that I think Bi-State partnered with is, you know, because we talk a lot about innovation on this show. And I, mm-hmm. I think I remember hearing that the St. Louis startup, it used to be called Safe Trek, now they're called Noonlight. I think they were doing a pilot with Bi-State uh, so that if you feel unsafe or you need to, you know, make an alert that you can do that with your phone. Have you seen... Uh, Either through your previous work or even your hopes and future hopes for the future, do you see more integration and piloting with some of the St. Louis startups and some of the technologies that are being created right here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for instance, we've gotten a lot of very positive response from the now the Noonlight yeah. program. Just in that aspect of from your smartphone, be able to reach you know our operators so that, for instance, if you feel uncomfortable we can deploy our security forces to help you. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, of course, you know, that value added for what is a very, very low capital expense. Mm-hmm. Indeed, we have those assets in place. It's really more about speed of deployment. Mm-hmm. So, indeed, that that uh, technology is really indispensable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you'd agree that our world is changing, If especially uh, that I can get underwear with my RFD card. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that just speaks to uh, what are the cutting edge technologies and maybe we need to catch up a little bit and do a little better job at doing that. In in particular, from the transit side, that's how we attract new riders. Sure. I'd really love to try to attract some of the new youthful riders, let them see what our options are. And, you know, you see them, they don't look at you because they're looking at their smartphones, right? Mm-hmm. And, for instance, integrating things within our system like Wi-Fi so that our riders are not only feel safe, but mm-hmm. they're comfortable streaming through those emails, whatever else, you know, those 21-year-old customers are doing. Well, we have seen – so I work over in the Cortex District, and I'm affiliated – work with Venture Cafe. They have seen uh, – an ease in their parking struggles on Thursday nights because more people are taking the Metrolink and getting off at the Cortex stop and enjoying Venture Cafe by using public transit. So some anecdotal feedback that it is working. Mm-hmm. Uh, a younger audience is is riding. And I think what I've noticed is it's, we're starting to make this shift, in at least mentally in St. Louis, that transit, public transit is... Um, just a norm and not just for poor people. I think that there's been this myth in the past that if you can't afford a car, then you use public transit. But if you go to any other major city, public transit is just transit. I mean, I have a coworker who lives, who's from New York. She's never owned a car. Car is, she's not a car first millennial. Um, and I think that a lot of this is just perception issues. And I, I, I know that uh, Bi-State has done a lot to, um, you know, through messaging and campaigns to help overcome some of those perception issues. What still needs to be done? Uh, that's a great point. Um, and I, I'd kind of like to I'd point you to an area that how I like to think of what our t- transit is. Mm-hmm. Transit is indeed a, a neighborhood or community in itself. I like to mm-hmm. think of really our trans transit uh, customers as a neighborhood and a neighborhood that has a lot of diverse interests. It mm-hmm. has diverse economic uh, socioeconomically 
diversity in racial diversity mm-hmm. and diversity in age. So I'd like to think of it as as a neighborhood and a neighborhood that you would be uh, that you may see someone that you haven't seen before in in your bubble, right? Mm-hmm. It's indeed it's a community that's accessible to everyone, and I think that's the message that we need to make clear. Now, in order to make that clear, certainly we need to work and do a better job on our perception mm-hmm. and the safety issues. And we're trying to work very hard on that. And indeed, we have strengthened our partnerships with um, the three professional police de- departments of the Sheriff's Department in the county, St. Louis City Police, and, and St. Louis County, along with Metro Security. Mm-hmm. They're working together much better. The data has been very encouraging. But the perception is another issue. And so we need to uh, convince people and regain that confidence that people want to come to our neighborhood. I think there is. You mentioned, for instance, uh, somebody who lived in New York and has never owned a car, and now they find themselves in St. Louis trying to figure out how to get around. I think there is a perception difference between folks who moved to St. Louis from elsewhere, and so they've ridden the L around, or they lived on Capitol Hill in Seattle, and so you know they took the, the buses and the, mm-hmm. the light rail around there, versus folks who've grown up in St. Louis in the car culture. And how much do you see... Um, maybe a struggle in trying to convince people to uh, take a look at transit when they've lived in St. Louis and it really hasn't been a major a major part of their lives. For instance, we look at the jokes that people make about building a car dealership next to a Metrolink station, but now we're starting to see developers who are looking at transit-oriented development, the plan around the DeBoliver station, for instance, for residential and others. But I'm, I'm getting at the, the St. Louis perception of the, the natives in St. Louis and just how do you get people excited about transit, whether they ride it or not, get developers to be on board. They will ride it to baseball games and hockey games. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. And Mardi Gras and yeah. to all of these big events yeah. that we have, concerts. Yeah, but, but it really shouldn't be an event thing. It should just be a thing. Like, it's just how mm-hmm. people get around. Right? Yeah. You know, I see it, you know, it's part of our community. Yeah. And, and building that ownership is very important. Now, look, one of the things is, is St. Louis isn't exactly like all those other mm-hmm. cities that you mentioned, we have our own individual differences. Mm-hmm. And indeed, that's why s- some people live here and other people live there. However, th- it let's think about how do we build our community? Mm-hmm. I guess that's the conversation I want to have, and I yeah. want to have it with leadership and indeed with you guys today. And what I would say to you is that some of the assets that that we bring to the table, including pedestrian access and and uh, really high service capabilities that we offer are something that f- folks are interested in. I'll use St. Clair County as an example. Um, I was involved in building a parallel bicycle trail mm. in the in the expansion of the system over to Scott Air Force Base. Mm. And uh, what happened was uh, as the trail developed and got longer and longer, we had uh, the bedroom communities along the line asking for access to the system. Hmm. And we made, we made indeed a, um, a deal with those communities that if they gave us the real estate, we would connect their, hmm. their community to the trail. Mm-hmm. That not only in, improved their health options and their running and walking and biking, but then also gave them direct access to transit. And that's a way that mm-hmm. we partnered with that community. What is the community that they want to see? And indeed, then when the marketing materials come out, what do you see in those marketing Mm -hmm. uh, materials? Indeed, you see direct access to trails and to Metrolink. 
So I would say that, yes, people are interested in it, but so, we need to provide that option. So one part of it is building community. The other part is connecting different communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's also really crucial. And there's been a lot of discussion over the – I've been in St. Louis seven years now, I think all seven years, about some sort of uh, creation of a north-south uh, metro link. And I know that there uh, – sometimes I think that that's short-sighted because I think it's a, it's a very finite answer that we need that as opposed to how do we just get more – connectivity, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a more open question. So I want to ask you, not are we going to build a North-South Metrolink, but how do we get more connectivity? How do we connect more communities? Well, sure. I mean, certainly just as a transportation professional, as someone who would look over the cityscape and see what are the needs. Mm-hmm. If, if you look at our system, the North-South lines, as far as bus ridership, for instance, the Grand and the Kings Highway are mm-hmm. dominantly heavy, yeah. right? So- so the question and is, and you recently, uh, excuse me, you guys, you recently shifted the schedules on the, I think, on the Grand Line specifically to make more stops, correct? Correct. And, yeah. And for instance, we are looking at a major system redesign um, uh, called Metro Reimagine that's actually going to be unveiled, and actually one of my top folks, Jessica Mefford Miller, mm-hmm. has been working on this, um, really uh, doing a great job with her team. And the idea is in those very high ridership corridors to move our frequency you know, from, for instance, 30 minutes to mm-hmm. 15 minutes. What that provides to, for instance, the individual consumer is that their average wait, if they, if they know the frequency is that much, is seven minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they know if they missed a bus, they know another one's coming mm-hmm. in 14, mm-hmm. but their average rate is, is seven minutes or less. Mm. So those are the kind of connectivity um, pieces and decision moments that people make, and there's marketing materials mm-hmm. on this, where if we're competitive and very quick, we can fit Uh, with really what the modern consumer is asking us to do. Let's take a break and come back with more with uh, Bi-State Development new CEO, Talby Roach, as we continue on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Welcome back. Michael Calhoun, Travis Sheridan with you, talking with Talby Roach, the new president and CEO of Bi-State Development, which oversees Metro Transit. Uh, And Talby, one of the big stories of 2018 was how well are St. Louis City, St. Louis County, and St. Clair County getting along uh, in terms of the police departments? How's the MOU been getting all of those, you know, the command center and stuff up online, cross-deputization potentially of officers along the, uh, the transit line? How has that been? Improving the safety and working with those three departments. Sure. So I I can talk about that because I've been working on it for the past year. Um, now, From the St. Clair County perspective, right? Correct. From St. Clair County. But I was part of, of crafting a lot of that documentation. And I've been lucky enough over the past year to go to several important committees, one of which is a joint task force committee, the JTF, which meets on a weekly basis and includes commanders from St. Louis County Police Department, Captain Melius, from St. Louis City Police Department, Lieutenant Blaskowitz, and from the Sheriff's Department um, with uh, Lieutenant Hundelt. And then that's also attended by the top leadership from Metro Safety. What that meeting has meant is just the fundamental deployment of assets and coordination. Yes, we could have done a better job before, but since the MOU was drafted and some of these uh, new procedures have been in place. Um, I've seen a lot of improvement. Indeed, I attend those meetings because, look, um, as a transit professional, 
what the, our number one priority really has got to be safety and security. And so um, that's what I'm interested in. And so I've been involved in that push. So I think we're doing better. And we can do even, uh, even a lot better than we're doing today. And even though this is just day two for me, <laughs> um, it is at the very top of my list. How can we not only do a great job with safety and security, but then move it down into customer service, right? Move it into engagement, where, for instance, we're engaging our customers in that good morning. How are you doing? How's your ride going? That fundamental interaction, that's about customer service, and that's something I'd like to get going at, at Bi-State. So a couple of things you've mentioned. Uh, you were talking about the safety, and you were talking earlier about uh, increasing frequency uh, of rides and some of the higher co- higher traffic corridors, and you just mentioned service. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how data is used to drive those decisions? I, I can talk around it. Talk around <laughs> it. That's a, that's, that would be great. Yeah. So I can talk around it just because uh, that professional team, and, and I met several of mm-hmm. them today, uh, we are uh, collecting reams of data um, because data has become a lot cheaper, mm-hmm. um, and that helps, but it helps drive our decisions. Mm-hmm. So um, through, for instance, some technology that we have in place right now, and they're known as APCs or Automatic Passenger counters and I'm not sure exactly how it works but it's it's somehow the the magnetic movement of people allows us to get a very accurate count of what our ridership is mm. well if we can do that at every single stop at every single Metrolink stop at a, at any time a, a, a bus stops it gives us that fundamental data that helps us tune our system in other words where are our riders what are they doing what are the peak times? Mm-hmm. All of that helps us design and and cater a system to something that makes sense. Is an example of that maybe the um, the spike in demand at the Central West End station? So now you're extending the platform and adding more capacity there in reaction? Correct. So uh, not only do you have that in the Central West End station, certainly because, you know, that's a, it's a prime station with good ridership, but... Indeed, um, as you mentioned, even the Cortex station and that expansion, you know, seeing some of that fundamental data helps us go out as an organization and solicit for those federal dollars um, to try to expand the system in areas that make sense. And Cortex is a great example of Mm -hmm. that. Um, So with the data um, and with the cost-benefit analysis, then the dollars follow. As professionals, that's our job, and our job is to collect that but make it discernible. What does the data, what does the story tell? Mm-hmm. I, I always think about, um, you know, retail and everybody's saying, oh, why can't we put, uh, I use Ikea as an example. When are we, before we had Ikea, everybody said, When's I, how can we get Ikea here? And I said, well, Ikea will come here when it makes sense for Ikea to come here mm-hmm. based on my, Ikea's, you know, metrics. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing goes with ridership and, and our transit system. Like we make, I think expansions happen or uh, changes happen when there's demand there. Um, has the has has I don't know if anybody does this nationally. This is a which is a question from ignorance. Are there any systems that do something like surge based uh, routes where they will pull buses from one route and put them on another one and change the times just because of increased demand? Uh, certainly, there are systems, and it's 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 uh, more typically based on rail systems mm-hmm. where they will 
Uh, and for instance, we do that with the camera system. When there's a, a cardinal game, we'll be able to see, hey, is the platform full? And mm-hmm. really that simple. Um, however, and you'll th- deploy an extra car. Correct. Oh. So, for instance, we have pocket tracks in mm-hmm. the system, and they'll be sitting and waiting for because we don't know when the, the game will end. Right. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> One of the idiosyncrasies of baseball. Right. There is no clock involved. Um, uh, so that's always something that we're needing to react to. Um, so, however, part of the Metro Reimagined vision is to look at some of those fundamental pieces of data and indeed even in the far off reaches of our system, is there some on-demand aspects that we can partner with, for instance, the Ubers and the mm-hmm. Lyfts and maybe even some employers who, look, we have employers in some of these um, farther reaches of our system that need workers. Mm-hmm. They're asking us for transportation out to their sites. You know, what I would like to think of is those are our partners that maybe we could work with if they want to get the kind of workers they require. Well, we might need a little help, you know, doing Mm -hmm. maybe some on-demand service out there. That's a new future for us, Mm -hmm. but it's a future we should be looking at. When you look at the Metrolink platforms, did I read that some changes or or some uh, updates are coming to the older stations along the system? And then also, where do things stand with the the inquiry into turnstiles? Right. So, for instance, um, there are some platforms that are in need of updating anyway, and those would be in our normal capital program. However, right, we're under, um, we're just about at the end of January, we'll receive the independent report from a security consultant, WSP. And part of that report is looking at some of our fundamental infrastructure in an idea of how do we enhance the security and safety of each individual station, right? And the point is, is that we, uh, a lot of the design of the system was done 10 and 20 years ago, and it was designed on the aspects of customer service back then. I think our modern version should be looking at, uh, does our design serve us today? And so we've we've looked to a third-party consultant to look at other systems across the country. There was a peer review portion of that. Um, we had professionals in from Sacramento, from Minneapolis, from WMATA, um, from Portland. Yes, those are different areas, but I think to be honest with ourselves, we have to kind of look at what are the things that we're doing right? What are some of our partners doing? So indeed, I expect that there'll be some um, some uh, changes having to do with really fundamental access control and really kind of design um, and safety improvements through design. Is there, you know, do we have some dark corners we should work on? Is there lighting enhancement? Can we do some, uh, what I would like to call more access control? In other words, bringing our customers to a central point. So for instance, they can be engaged by security we can, they can be seen by a new enhanced video system, which we're also looking into, um, which may even include facial recognition software. Hmm. However, that's a very new technology, and uh, I don't want to promise that because we're looking at it right now. But if, if we bring uh, and change some of our designs, it makes some of those new ideas possible. I want, to, I want to ask you one more question. One more question. I want to end with this, not about by state, but you as the leader. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, every new administration, be it you know public administration or a, an operation like this, they have their first hundred days. How do you, as a new president and CEO, acclimate into your new organization? Because we we have a lot of people that listen that are part of startups or there are different st- sizes of organizations. But you, as a leader, how do you acclimate in? Sure. So part of part of what I need to do is indeed what I did after my mornings meetings at ten a.m. I went by every single cube at the main office and just said hello, uh, introduced myself to every single person in the main office. And I plan to do that at all of our facilities just to so that people equate the name with the face. But also, I, I need to be very clear about what our vision is. For instance, we have a credibility issue. We have a credibility issue between me and that staff, and I need to earn my own credibility, mm-hmm. and I hope they'll earn their credibility with me. So that's the that's the kind of vision I was working on this mm-hmm. morning. And I hope most of them were receptive. It seemed to be. Everybody's in a good mood uh, starting the new year. <laughs> well, Talby Roach, President and CEO of Buy State Development, thank you for being generous with your time with us. Thank you for the time. And good luck. All right. And thank you so much for listening to us. We'll be back next week with more Nothing Impossible. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.